February 8, 2018. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Poke Runyon, and tonight we present the legenda of the first degree of Craterapoa Reformado, which we call the Fellowship of the Grail. Now, a legenda is a scenario of an esoteric degree. It describes the degree delivering most of the essential knowledge and symbolism, but it leaves out certain secrets, such as grips, secret words, ciphers, and, and uh, operational procedures. Now, the Craterapoa is the oldest system of magical degrees in the European tradition and is based on first-century Alexandrian hermetic writings and rituals. It uh, actually predates the Golden Dawn and the OTO by about 100 years, and it, and it even predates the Illuminati by a few years. We will briefly outline the original 18th-century system and explain some of our modern additions and inclusions. So... If you'd like to find out what really goes on in a magical initiation, stay with us and be illuminated. And like old Ed Sullivan used to say, we've got a really big show for you because this is a lot of information, and uh, and uh, it may take it. We, we may, it may take us more than an hour to get through it. Now um, we have back in the archives. We have shows on the Crater Rapoa and, and on some of this. But this is the first time we've given you the legenda for the, the first degree of, of our reformed version of the Crown Report. So I think it's going to be necessary for in, order for in order for the new people who haven't heard those old shows to understand a little bit about the Crown Report. And uh, I'm going to go back to uh, to our article on the Crown Report. We have our own translation, by the way, uh, that we did. Uh, and... Uh, and there's a story behind that, which we published in our journal, The Seventh Ray, Book Three, The Green Ray, which is presently out of print, and I've got to get it back in, back into print, which I will certainly do uh, pretty shortly for those of you who want to get it. Now, um, our version of the Craterapoa is, uh, we, we had it uh, translated from Peter Trump's, that, that's uh, Frater Phaedrus, transcription of the second German edition, Berlin, 1778, which was translated for us into English by Ilse Baeck, and uh, and it was it is called the Craterapoa or Initiations into the Ancient Secret Society of the Egyptian Priests, published in Berlin, 1778, by Christian Ludwig Stahlbaum, and uh, now. The Craterapoa is a seven-degree system based on, as far as the Germans could, uh, the German Masons and Rosicrucians uh, that, uh, that the, you know, the 1770s, as far as they could determine, using all of the Greco-Egyptian material that they could get their hands on, that's the Amblicus and Plato and Prophory and, and Diodorus and, and everybody, all of, the, all of these uh, these writers that actually went into you know, the hermetic tradition, including the hermetic corpus itself. And uh, so what they did was they tried to, uh, in a Masonic framework, they tried to recreate the ancient Alexandrian mystery school initiations. And, uh, and of course, the 
they uh, did a lot of uh, enlightenment uh, period uh, philosophy that that crept into this, and uh, and yet they 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 were pretty conscientious, and so they they created this uh, this seven degree system, which. Uh, came out in German first, and then they tried to, you know, get it, get it around to the right before the Illuminati. They tried to to this that preceded the Illuminati. In fact, the Illuminati pirated our fourth degree out of Craterapoa. And uh, I recently, <laughs> I I recently asked the you know the 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 guys that are running the Illuminati these days. Well, I said, you know, if you if you went ahead and, and grabbed our our fourth degree, uh, then we would like to use your owl. And, and what I think we ought to will do is is because our owl your your owl is mentioned in the fourth degree Minerva's owl we'd like to we'd like to have it we'd like to have Minerva's owl too seeing as how you you got it from us originally and of course the Illuminati they said oh sure sure go ahead take the owl <laughs> so we we now have the Illuminati owl and well that was first the Craterapoa owl but anyway um, the uh, the Craterapoa first circulated in 1770, which was right before the Illuminati. And, and, uh, and uh, as I said, it had, it had seven degrees going all the way up through uh, into the Rosicrucian area. And, and, uh, and frankly, uh, it, it has inspired and been, it's inspired a lot of, of different uh, magical orders and traditions. Um, the Rite of Memphis and Nizriam, uh took it and, and put it into their 64th degree, and and uh, Hamark has used a lot of it, and and it, it's been used by the Martinists. It's been used, and 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 it even had some influence on the Golden Dawn, but not not a lot. But but uh, now um, let's let's uh, first describe how it was condensed by the French. All Christian is history and practice of magic. They condensed it into one degree. They took all seven degrees and squeezed them up into one degree for the history and practice of magic by Paul Christian. And they called it the initiation into the pyramids. And this was the first one that I read. This was the first uh, version of the Craterapoa that I that I read. And and. When I first started the OTA back in 1969, 70, uh, I, I was wondering what sort of a initiatory structure we ought to have, and I thought the Golden Dawn was, frankly, I read the Golden Dawn, and I thought, oh, God, this is too Victorian, too boring. And I then, then I remembered that I had read the initiation into the pyramids, which was the one degree, which was the one degree condensation of the Grand Rapoa, and I thought, oh boy, this is dramatic, and this is this is more more hermetic, and more Alexandrian. I think this is what we ought to use, and so we adopted it, and uh, we started off with this as our as our big our biggest and OTA initiation, our first and our largest, and. Uh, this was our, this is then eventually when we realized that there was the whole Craterapoa, which we very shortly on after we started the OT, we realized that that uh, that Paul Christian's uh, initiation of the pyramids was actually a one degree wrap up of the Craterapoa. So, and so we decided to spread the you know the format the the, the whole Craterapoa and and. Uh, and we did. So uh, we we started off with Fellowship of the Grail uh, as Pastor Forrest. 
and uh, began to stretch out the whole system, uh, which, uh, you know, has worked out over the years. And so um, what I'd like to do to start off with here is to read the uh, from the original uh, 1778 version of the Crater Apollo. Let me let me read the first uh, Pastafarius degree, so you'll get an idea. Then, when I really read the agenda for our version of it, you'll get an idea of uh, you know some of the some of the changes we've made. And I understand that that what we've done in, in, in stretching out this system over seven degrees in the modern Crater Apollo, a lot of the Material from and, and the tableaus and the and the challenges and the various degrees have been spread out over other degrees, and so they they uh, some of some of what is in the first degree is has been extended to the second and the third and, and whatever. So, but anyway, this is way it's how it started. When someone desired to enter the center, the Society of Craterapoa, he first had to be especially recommended by another initiate, and this was ordinarily done by and approved by the king himself. Though a written document, uh, through a written document to the priest, that the priest would at first deny admittance to, to Heliopolis, send the aspirant or apprentice to the teachers in Memphis, and from Memphis he was sent to Thebes, and then finally he was circumcised, and directly following this, certain foods were forbidden, and he was not allowed to drink wine until at a, at a higher stage he received permission from time to time. At length, he had to spend many months like a prisoner in a subterranean cave, left to his own thoughts, and he was allowed to write down his thoughts, which were carefully scrutinized to get to know his mind, the intellect of the new member. Now that whole part, that that whole partition of this thing has been moved to the third degree, Milano Forest. That's the retreat. That's the Holy Guardian Angel retreat. Uh, afterwards, he was led into a colonnade with pillars of Hermes upon which were the maxims, the moral decrees, and he had to learn them by heart. And that's also that's been moved to the second degree, uh, which is which is uh, uh, neochorus. Once. He had committed these maxims, these moral decrees to memory. The Thesmophorus, the guide, came to him, and he held in his hand a strong whip to keep the mob, the populace, in front of the gate of the profane in check, through which gate he led the one, the newly initiated. And the initiate's eyes were bandaged, and his hands were bound. Okay. So the first grade Pastophorus, or apprentice, who guards the doors of the entrance to the gate of man, now, as soon as the apprentice was prepared in the grotto, the Thesmophorus took him by the hand and led him to the gate of men. And upon arrival, the Thesmophorus tapped the older Pastophorus to guard the door on the shoulder, and the Pastophorus would then announce the apprentice by knocking at the door of the entrance. And after a few questions directed at the apprentice, the gate of man opened, and the newly initiated was admitted. And here he was questioned by the Hierophantes, and that's the priest and priestess, on different issues, and his answers had to be precise. Thereafter, the apprentice was shown uh, around the Barantha, which is the, uh, the grotto, and during his time, his art an artificial wind was created, and rain fell on the initiated, and lightning struck his face, and terrible thunder would upset his hearing. Uh, and, of course, we have a marvelous... Uh, a marvelous 
Thunder Machine, which uh, which one of our members developed for that. Now, when the apprentice could not be frightened by anything, the menes, or reader of the laws, would read to him the constitutions of the credit report, which he had to accept. And once he subjected himself completely to these constitutions, the professional forays led him before the hierophant, before whom he must throw himself down on his bare knees. The tip of the sword was placed against his throat, and the apprentice had to vow loyalty and secrecy. The sun, the moon, and the stars were invoked to witness his, to witness his pledge. After his, this oath, the apprentice's eyes were opened, and he was placed between the square columns. And between these two columns lay a ladder of seven steps with eight doors of a different uh, measure. And these figures were not immediately explained to the apprentice, but the Hierophant delivered the following speech. I turn to you, who have the right to hear me, close the doors first so that the profane and the cynics, the blasphemers, cannot come in. But you, Menes Musae, or children of the work of celestial inquiry, hear my speech. I recite great truths. Guard yourselves from prejudices and passions, which will lead you away from the true road to bliss. Direct your thoughts upon the divine being, and let him be before your eyes constantly to guide your heart and mind. And if you want to walk the certain path to bliss, remember that you walk before the eyes of the Almighty who created the world. It is the sole being which created and maintains all things that exist of itself. He sees everything. No mortal can see him, and nothing can be hidden from his view. After this speech, they showed the apprentice that the rungs of the ladder he had to cross in his ascent are symbolic of the transmigration of souls. And furthermore, they advised him of the names of the gods and had a completely different meaning than he that was known to the people. And they explained to him the causes of wind, lightning, and thunder. And in short, this grade was dedicated to the knowledge of nature, which it still is. They also included anatomy and medicine, and they also taught the symbolic language and the common hieroglyphical writing. Directly after his acceptance, the Hierophant gave him the password by which all that were initiated recognized each other. That word meant be discreet. And they also recognized each other by special handshakes and tokens. And then he received a sort of cap, which is made in the form of a pyramid, and they wrapped his hips with an apron called the xylon. And around his neck he wore a sort of collar reaching down to his chest. And otherwise, he walked unclothed. And it was his duty to guard the gate of men whenever it was his turn. Now, uh, we also have in in, uh, in our publication, we also have a tracing board which uh, shows the ladder. And uh, and as I said, several of, the, several of these requirements have been moved uh, to uh, to other to to other to other degrees. But that'll give you an idea of what the original the original degree. Uh, a credit poll was, and now we're going to move into our version of it, our modern version of it. And uh, this one, you'll see that we've added a lot of, of esoteric material that wasn't in the original credit poll, which but 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 which certainly would be if it was done today. Um, now, agenda of the first degree, Pastor Forest, Fellowship of the Grail. 
Worthy candidates for initiation are seated on a bench facing the gate of men, which is the gap between the men hearers of the moon and the realm of the fixed stars, Luna and Crater. Now, this is the hinge, uh, which is the, uh, you know, the eight men hearers out there, uh, you know, um, in the outdoors. Now, the Thesmophores, their guide and sponsor, reads the cult of the Sangreal to them. Now, here follows that poem, which traces the history and mystery of our hermetic tradition, in this case, interspersed with commentary explaining each section. Now, I will try, as I read this poem, to um, change my voice. In other words, I'll read the poem in a, in a dramatic, archaic style, and then I'll do the commentary as informally as I can. Now, we'll go through the whole poem, because this poem is very, very important. This this poem really uh, covers everything, you know, and, and everything in, in the whole, in, in our version of the Hermetic tradition. So listen carefully, and uh, we'll try to uh, see if we can differentiate between the, the poem and the commentary. It was scribed on tablets at ancient Ugarit in the days of Melchizedek, of a golden goblet of the gods, brimming with life's liquor upon the high place, in the time when Abram made souls, in the far land of the star kings, even in the dreaming temples of Haran. Now for the commentary. Now most of our knowledge of ancient Canaanite mythology and religion comes from the Rashamra archaeological discoveries in the late 1930s. Now these clay tablets from the ancient city of Ugarit on the Syrian coast, give us the epic of Baal and his sister Anath, who would eventually become the goddess Astarte. The myth speaks of Baal having a goblet so great as to awe mortal men, brimming with liquor, probably mead rather than wine, and this account was written down a thousand years before the Hebrews appropriated the Semitic all Father El, or Latipan, and gave him a new name, Jehovah. The biblical Melchizedek was actually a Canaanite priest king of Jerusalem and in those days, and he was a priest of the Most High God, Father El, was always called the Compassionate, in marked contrast to the appellations of Jealous and Vengeful, so often applied to Yahweh or Jehovah. El did not meddle in the affairs of humankind, except, except to have sex with occasional human females, like Seuss did, and he was not a punisher. This aloof and benign deity was much closer to that impersonal Neoplatonic god force conceived by the later Hermetic Kabbalistic philosophers. Now, in those days, Abram the mystical founder of both the Jewish and the Muslim religions, had set out from his native city of Ur and trekked northward to the mysterious city of the moon god, Haran, of the pagan planet-worshipping Sabaeans, where it is written in the Bible that he made souls, perhaps the earliest reference to the magic of golem making Now let us return to the poem. To Ken did he journey, and thence to Canaan, where the Zadik, who was high priest of El, creator of all created in the womb of Asherat, 
even he who was king in Salem did give old Abram to drink of the dew of heaven and eat of the cakes of light, his dispensation, and how soon he, his sons forgot their gift from the Mount of Armageddon. Now to the commentary. Well, this verse reprises and amplifies the first. Abram went south from Haran, which lies between the headwaters of the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers, and into Egypt. And he retraced his steps northward into Canaan, where he met Melchizedek, the Zadik, or adept, who was high priest of El at Jerusalem. Now, Jewish tradition holds that Melchizedek was Noah's son Shem, from whom all the Semitic peoples had descended. The communion Melchizedek gave to Abram was recorded as bread and wine in the Bible. But we hold that it was the life sacrament of the honey need. Armageddon refers to the sacred Canaanite mountain of Megiddo, not to the last battle. Now back to the poem. And yet King David sang of the mystery of wand and cup. And Hiram, priest king of pagan Tyre, did he not rejoice in the building of the temple of Solomon, in the lusty embrace of the cherubim, sun god symbol of mighty emanations, begetting prince and princess upon the mother of the sea, lords of fire and water, air and earth, the very tetragrammaton. And now the commentary. The 23rd Psalm refers to the grail hallows in the Book of Kings. Hiram, priest king of Phoenician Tyre, said, Praise the Lord when Solomon asked for his help in building the great temple at Jerusalem. The Lord, in this case, was El. And there is sound reason to believe that Solomon built the temple for El and all of his balls for Elohim, perhaps including Yahweh. And uh, reference here to see the Baal and Astarte mythos in, in the Book of Solomon's Magic. Now, the cherubim on the ark are traditionally male and female, and there is an inner tradition that recounts that they were locked in sexual embrace. And the most ancient formula would have been El and Mother Asherat begetting Baal and Anath, Astarte. Father, mother, son, daughter, fire, water, air, and earth. Sha-ma-a-ta. Or Amashao in the 24-letter form, the original tetragrammaton. Was not Solomon, now on to the poem, was not Solomon called a wise and even a wizard king who did confine the two and seventy rebellious spirits in the vessel of brass, metal of the sphere mercurial, with mastery of brazen shield and sword of iron? Did he not call them to appear in the triangle of his art, led by the first of their number, Lord Cloudrider? Whereafter Solomon did build a temple to his consort, the fair Astarte. Now the commentary. Arabian and Talmudic legends hold that Solomon was a master magician and the founder of the art science of ritual magic. The idea of 72 celestial gods of the decans of the zodiac was ancient Egyptian and predated the time of Solomon, which is about 800 BC. During the Dark Ages, 680, were said to be the fallen angels whom Solomon had sealed up in a vessel of brass, a metal attributed to the planet Mercury, which could be polished to form a reflective surface, 
and which was also a philosophical analog for the human brain case, the skull. They were evoked into a triangle, which was a Pythagorean geometric demon trap. And I also suggest that you see the Book of Solomon's Magic, Chapter 3. And the first spirit of the medieval lesser key of Solomon's Galatia is Baal, who is obviously the Canaanite god Baal. And it is a matter of record that Solomon built a temple to Baal's consort, the goddess of Starte. Now we return to the poem. Her prince, the very dying god born from the myrrh tree, whose funerary resin invokes the planet of resurrection from sacred Afaka high in the Lebanon, his yearly blood reddens the river Adonis and stains the Marin Turnum even to this day, when from summer solstice to autumn equinox, he lies entombed in the back of beyond, awaiting the nectar of life, sparkling in her chalice, spiraling down through the seven gates of seven worlds, born by the dancing maiden, eternal princess of the grail. An ancient, got a commentary, an ancient Egyptian myth recounts that Astarte helped the mourning Isis to discover the body of her slain brother Osiris, imprisoned in a myrrh tree in Lebanon. The sacred resin of the myrrh tree was used in embalming and as a funeral incense ever since. It is cabalistically attributed to the planet Saturn, whose glyph is the Tau Cross of Resurrection. In her classic study on the ancient origins of the Holy Grail myth, from ritual to romance, Jesse Weston held that the idea of a holy cup of which the Year King's blood originated at the ancient shrine of Baal and Astarte at Afaka in the Lebanon, thousands of years before the death of Christ, at that location in the mountains of Lebanon, a waterfall emerges from a cave and drops into the wild gorge of the river Adonis, the Nahar Ibram. And every spring, the water rises to reach a hematite layer, making the river run red as blood all the way out to the sea. Traditionally, Baal is killed by the Dark Lord Moat at summer solstice in the season of parching drought. The year king lies entombed in Moat's cavern kingdom called the Back of Beyond to be rescued and reawakened at each autumn equinox heralding the return of the rains by the goddess Astarte. And like her Babylonian counterpart Ishtar, Astarte passes down through the seven gates. But in the Canaanite version, which we reconstruct from clues surviving in the tale of Princess Salome's Dance of the Seven Veils, the goddess leaves a colored veil attributed to the power of each sephirot on the tree of life at each portal. And we should not forget that in medieval legends, the grail was always born by a maiden. Not a, back to the poem, not a cup of wine, blood of death, in mournful memory of a pale lord returning not till earth herself lies doomed under the wormwood star, but a cup of mead, sunborn honeydew of heaven, the very of macroprosophus, for a green and horned prince of thunder and his winsome vernal bride. In the commentary, she dances her way down to the underworld, bearing the nectar of life, or the Zra of macroprosophus, the honeymead, 
seminal sacrament, quite literally the seed of the stars, to revive the dead Prince Baal. This pagan life-renewing conception is more in harmony with the idea of reincarnation than the depressing Christian notion of one brief lifetime not rewarded or punished until some distant doomsday. Let me add to that that in, Valid, in, in original Valentinian Christianity, they believed in reincarnation, so I wanted to put that in there as an addition. These same Tyrian mysteries traveled thence to Egypt, to the Ptolemies, even to learned Alexandria, where Christ's greatest Hermes did declare in his commander that he had caused to descend earthward a great chalice a prize for the souls, thirsting after wisdom, the only gnosis of immortality. And the commentary. Our hermetic magical religion was classical paganism's last desperate effort to save its deepest and most profound secrets from the destructive rampage of Christian fanaticism that swept the Mediterranean world in the 4th and 5th centuries. The great university and library of Alexandria in Egypt was the birthplace of our hermetic tradition, the Kratoropoa initiatory system that we use in the order of the Temple of Astarte is an amalgam of Alexandrian hermetic rites and teachings from this era. According to Hermes Trismegistus, the Crater, or hermetic grail, was sent down to earth and stationed in the midst, as it were, as a prize for the souls. In other words, look within yourself. The Crater is also an ancient symbol of rebirth, written in the stars, Plato's cauldron of becoming. Souls returning to earth must drink from it before completing their spiral course to the sign of their nativity. The quest of the earthly grail is forever linked to an understanding of this celestial grail. Back to the poem. Is it not true that theurgic masters from far around, heirs of those ancients who passed the golem secret to venerable Father Abram, those who yet worship the seven wanderers of the starry vault, Sabean wizard lords of zodiac and magic, who were the sages to the caliphs of Islam. Did honor Hermes Trismegistus as prophet and preserve his teachings with their own arcanum at the courts of Moorish Spain in the years of the Holy Kabbalah by the word of she who blackens. The commentary. This passage refers to a fascinating series of connections and reconnections in our Western magical tradition. In the 7th century, the mysterious cult of moon and planet worshippers who had lived for thousands of years in the city of Haran, were confronted by the leader of the leader of an Islamic army. Now, this emir demanded, in accordance with the Quran, that the Haranians become either Muslims, Christians, Jews, or Sabaeans. Now, the Sabaeans had been the original Queen of Sheba's star worshippers from southern Arabia, whom Muhammad had exempted from forced conversion to Islam for political reasons. Naturally, the Haranians picked the Sabean option, but the Arab emir also demanded that they produce a holy book to prove their claim. Now, the wise Haranian Sabeans submitted not one but two books for the consideration, the Corpus Hermeticum and the more biblical Book of Enoch. 
And these works thus became the fundamental scriptures of our tradition. These Iranian Sabaeans were then in a unique position. Unlike Muslim Sufis, pure their arcane arts and coded poetry, the Sabaeans could openly practice and teach astrology, alchemy, and ritual magic. They were very much in demand at the courts of the caliphs and the sultans of Islam, from Baghdad to Moorish Spain and the Spanish universities of the early Middle Ages, the Sabaean star magicians and Jewish Kabbalists came together and exchanged ideas. Before King Solomon's time, the Kabbalah had originated in pagan Assyria, whose gods were cognate with those of Canaan. And there the gods and their planetary palaces had been placed on a tree of life design. And during the era of pagan Samaritan Gnosticism in Palestine and Alexandria, Pythagorean geometric, geometric and mathematical elements were added. Jewish rabbinical scholars then monotheistically sanitized the system. But when they encountered the Sabaeans in Spain, the inevitable process of repaganizing what was to become a hermetic Kabbalah began. The reference to she who blackens refers to a remarkable book of Arabian and Sabaean celestial magic called The Aim of the Sage, or Picatrix, which contains all that survives of Sabaean star lore and ritual. And now back to the poem. Did not these same Sabaean magi entrust their key unto the knights and ladies of Montsovat, companions of the Sangreal and Lost Long Dock, in the bygone days of the troubadours. And was it not written in the Percival that in the season of Saturn the wounded Amphortus did lie in cruelest agony, the land laid waste and barren about the castle, the ancient curse of moat, demanding of the hero a forbidden question? And now the commentary. Modern scholars have found a fascinating connection between the star lore and magic of the Sabaeans, and that most mysterious of the medieval Holy Grail accounts, Wolfram von Essenbach's Parsifal. The enlightened civilization of early medieval Moorish Spain was equaled in the southern French province of Languedoc. This was the prosperous and cultured society that gave birth to European chivalry. Arthurian and Holy Grail literature first flowered there, and the famous courts of love of the troubadours, where our concepts of romantic love originated, flourished in this actual counterpart of mythical Camelot. But in the 13th century, the popularity of mystical Gnostic Christianity in the area brought down the wrath of Mother Church in the form of an unholy crusade that laid waste to the beautiful land and slaughtered its gentle cultured people. Over a million were killed. The Gnostic Christian Cathars were exterminated, along with the less known and more secretive cult of the Sangreal, whom we have reason to believe had rediscovered the origin and significance of the Grail as written in the stars. The forbidden question the hero asks of the wounded Grail King is, What ails you, Father? And the answer is simple. I'm afraid to die, my son. Now back to the poem. If darkness be the everlasting chalice of light, why then do we fear death as an ending? 
Rather, should we but respect it as a voyage beyond, perhaps to service of the circle round. And if, therefore, the call sounds clear in thine heart, inflaming the diamond of thine own rose-rayed star, know then that thou art of the twice-born, and the great work lies before thee. Initiation is but an awakening and a coming home. The commentary. Wolfram von Essenbach described the grail as a glowing green stone, having its origin in the stars, in other words, the human soul. We all have this divine soul within us. It whispers to us in our quiet, reflective moments. Most humans die without ever finding the grail within. They have immortality, but they can't share it because they are not aware of that element of their own nature which survives. Back to the poem. The diamond of thine own rose-rayed star refers to this holy grail stone within each one of us. The great work of the Western magic is literally the quest of this inner grail. The allegory of perfection and ordeal in the quest myth is symbolic of a transcendence of selfish physical vanity and emotional gratification necessary to behold the inner divinity and eventually merge our consciousness with it. The secret of the grail is the fourfold nature of the work, fourfold within as without, and in subtle realms beyond. Man, even as God, writes with the wand and emblazons with the sword, letters and symbols in a spectrum of fire. Woman, like unto goddess, nurtures the glyphs in her cup, giving them substance from her pentacle, the ineffable vowels. And yet there is that in man which is womanly, and that in woman which is manly. Hence, all tools of the word should be thine in tasks of the art. The commentary. Hermes teaches us that our soul is androgynous. Therefore, the first task of the magician should be to develop and balance both the male and the female aspects of his or her personality. In psychological terms, this is the Jungian process of individuation. In the OTA, we symbolically accomplish this on our astral journey up the 31st path to the sphere of Hod. This fusing of the four elements into an integrated spiritual identity that can come to know the shining being within is the secret purpose of the four grail hallows. These are the traditional working tools of the magician. We may also speculate that these implements, in their most primitive form, the spear, the knife, the cup, and the dish, are the very weapons and tools that once made us human. And the last stanza of the poem. Whoso enlivens the microcosm shall transcend as a free and winged soul to follow the raven beyond the western gate where the dragon rides the quarter, marching in procession with the grail to equinox. And even as the seven-veiled goddess brings death unto death, so shall the epic of the self-boards be soon adorning when the seekers shall be masters and the lifeblood shall be light. Commentary. This final passage reveals the great mystery and prophecy of the Celestial Grail or the Crater of Hermes. In the summer of 1976 issue of our journal, The Seventh Ray, we published the revelation of the return of the Holy Grail in the age of Aquarius Leo. We can briefly summarize this phenomenon by pointing out that as we enter the new astrological age, Aquarius Leo, at the turn of the millennium, the autumn equinox meridian in the heavens will 
process to bisect the constellation crater, while on the other side of the celestial sphere, the vernal equinox line will bisect the stream pouring from the chug of the water bearer. Thus, by the doctrine of astrological polarities and opposites, the grail is symbolically filled, following the raven, refers to the constellation Corvus the Raven, the bird of death, who rides behind the crater on the back of the giant sea dragon Hydra, or Lotan in our Canaanite tradition. And the seven-veiled goddess who brings death unto death refers to Astarte's annual victory over Mote. The French Magus Elvis Levy once remarked that death is man's way of conquering immortality. The American author H.P. Lovecraft wrote that, with strange eons, even death may die. And the mystic Terence McKenna suggested that we are approaching the end of history. Our revelation confirms all this while declaring that the coming dawn of a glorious new aeon, when the gods will again walk the earth and yet remember with compassion that they were once more human than divine. Now, after the reading of the poem, the commentary, of course, the priest and the priestess circle the hinge and enter through the gate of men. The priest and priestess open the hinge in due form, and the priest or the deacon performs the invoking pentagram rite. The Thesmophores bids the candidates to rise and knocks three times with his staff. The priest inquires the cause of the alarm. The Thesmophores declares that he brings worthy candidates who would join the fellowship. The priestess asks, what do they seek in our company? The Thesmophores replies, love which knows no bounds. The priest asks the candidates, if it knows no bounds, why do you seek it here? The candidates recite their answer in unison, and the priestess bids them enter, showing them the entrance sign symbolizing the parting of the veil. Candidates enter, gather at the altar in the center of the hinge. On the altar is the universal planetary design called the Enneosphere, which depicts the Earth, the seven planets of the ancients, and the realm of the fixed stars, in a series of interlocking circles. The priestess explains the symbol and its relation to the hinge, concluding that the hinge is the oldest temple, uniting the stars, the planets, the points of the compass, and the seasons of the year in one design. The priest requires of them a verbal pledge to follow the path of love, light, and wisdom before they may proceed. Following this affirmation, the priest and priestess personally involve each candidate in the alchemical mystery of the degree. Starting the sequence in the south where the priest lights a fire in the brazier and explains that before the aspirant can begin his return journey up the ladder of ascension, the tree of life, he must master the sphere of the elements, Malkuth, this being the work of the first degree. It is accomplished through the alchemy of the sacred year, which progresses with the seasons of nature and prepares the prima materia of your being for the great work to come. Priest and priestess then begin the first alchemical operation. This first operation in the southern quadrant on the side of the altar marked with the alchemical symbol for sulfur is calcination, which is symbolized in our sacred drama from the myths of ancient Canaan, depicting the slaying of Prince Baal, the vegetation spirit of green man, by the dark lord Moat, the grim reaper, who comes with the searing fires of Saul, causing the summer drought. 
Calcination reduces the prima materia to a fine white ash, which is carried westward on the summer wind. And on the western side of the altar, which is marked by the alchemical symbol of mercury, the priestess then explains that the purified essence of being is revived in the crucible of creation by the alchemical process of solution, which we symbolize in our sacred drama, depicting Astarte's descent down through the seven gates of heaven, Ishtar's descent and Salome's dance of the seven veils, bringing the water of life to resurrect the dead Prince Paul. Solution enlivens the essence of being which flows northward like a river into the earth. And in the north, under the altar's sign of salt, is a dish of earth resting on the pinnacle of earth, which is also the dark mirror of nature, in which the reflection of man's immortal soul lured him into bondage. Now the essence of solution is infused into the salts of the earth and must be set free by the alchemical process of separation. This is symbolized by our sacred drama depicting Baal's victory with the help of the moon goddess over Lotan, the dragon of chaos, personification of the forces of nature unrestrained at winter solstice. Separation frees the essence of being to fly eastward toward the dawn. In the center of the altar, placed upon the heniosphere, is the solstice grail, a large golden chalice filled with holy water. In our case, this is pure water infused and extended with a few drops from the sacred spring, Placidurator. Placidurator. Placing the essence, placing the essence into the grail, the priest declares, the separated essence of being is finally reunited with purified elements of nature and the alchemical process of conjunction, which we symbolize in our communion of the elements ceremony on the occasion of the ancient Canaanite New Year when the Hieros Gamos or sacred marriage of the god and goddess was celebrated. Conjunction is the sublime culmination of the yearly alchemical cycle. The further operations of alchemy from coagulation to projection are to be perfected in the microcosm of the magician himself or herself. Now, hearken unto the words of thrice greatest Hermes. The priestess or the odos reads from the Corpus Hermeticum, book four, verses one through four, which see. The meaning of which is this. The creator made the whole cosmos with his word. He gave all men the gift of speech, but not all men received the spiritual wisdom, the gnomes. The creator placed a great chalice in the center of the cosmos filled with gnomes as a prize for worthy souls to seek. And through his messenger, he declared that those who would find this cup and baptize themselves in its essence would know why they were created and would be on the path to return to the Godhead. After this reading, the priest baptizes the female candidates while the priestess does so for the male candidates with water from the crowder, declaring them by their magical names to be pastophori of the Grail Fellowship. They are then given their instructions. The sign, the grip, the word are communicated. All join hands, and for and the Archangel Raphael is invoked in Tipperath as we bring the light down the middle pillar, and all are blessed. A banishing pentagram ritual is performed. The hinge is closed in due form. Now that concludes the initiation. I'm going to read the notes, uh, the, the notes, the footnotes following this because I think there's, uh, there's important information in them. And uh, 
First note, the master Frederick Adams built the original wood hinge from railroad ties, and after the first Fairfarian film, we used it for some 20 years before it finally rotted away. We replaced it with a lighter version, which could be dismantled and transported for erection at campgrounds, etc. But these configurations can be seen in the Fairfarian and the CHSOTA videos. For newly formed groups, I suggest a much easier and more portable expedient. Paint your planetary symbols on natural rocks and set them out in a proper pattern. Then this configuration can even be used indoors if necessary. Your rocks can be as small as you like, and you'll have fun collecting them. Second note, the aniosphere, nine interlocking circles, is found in a rose cross design from the French version of Crater Rapoa, attributed to Coleostro. See Paul Christian's History and Practice of Magic. Third note, the ladder of ascension from the Mithriatic tradition is actually a version of the tree of life. Modern occultists have lost sight of the ascent descent principle so essential to Gnostic, Mithriatic, and Hermetic philosophy. The chakras must go in this order if a meaningful ascension is to be achieved. Now see the Crater of Poet tracing board design in the seventh ray book three, the green ray. And also see our middle pillar, in our, our our reconstituted middle middle pillar uh, in uh, Hermetic Yoga and in, in uh, and uh, uh, you know in our Hermetic Yoga Volume One. Now the British, the French, and now even the Russians may argue over who has the earliest Holy Grail legend, but. The oldest record is Canaanite, Baal's cup to all mortal man, from the Ugarit Rosh and Ra tablets. Now, for an excellent interpretation, read Jesse Weston's From Ritual to Romance. Next oldest is Hermes's Crater from the Crater from the Corpus Hermeticum, and its celestial counterpart, the constellation Crater in the Heavens. And in line with this, see Macrobius' commentary on the Dream of Scipio. And there is also a hermetic connection to Wolfram von Essenbach's Parseval, if one needs to look for the earliest medieval version. And Otto Rahm did several books on that, and which were copied by Cahane and Cahane in the hermetic tradition of the Grail. Now, these first four stages of the alchemical process that we use going around the hinge follows Sir George Ripley's The Twelve Gates, 1649, and for that, see In Pursuit of Gold by Lapidius. And for this reading of, Hermetic, of the Hermetic Corpus, we use Dr. Everhard's 1650 translation of the Divine Commander from the Arabic because it is the oldest version of the Corpus Hermeticum in English. However, for the best and most meaningful recension, I recommend The Way of Hermes, translated by Solomon van Ollen and Wharton in 1999. Commentary on the initiation ceremony. The first degree is attributed to the sphere of Malkuth on the tree of life, the realm of the elements, air, fire, water, and earth. The priest instructs the candidates that mastering and balancing these elements in themselves is the work of this degree. This is why the degree is structured around the seasonal cycle of nature, the personal alchemical process that relate to seasonal progression and the gods and goddesses that personify these forces. And notice that that's also in the in the in the original uh, first degree of Crater Apollo. You should know 
that along with the Phoenician alphabet giving rise to the later Greek alphabet, ancient Canaanite mythology was also a major influence on classical Greek mythology. Baal, Melkart became Heracles, Astarte became Aphrodite, and Kusor became Hephaestus, Vulcan, and the biblical Tubal-Cain. Canaanite Phoenician mythology itself was influenced by earlier Egyptian, Minoan, and even Atlantean mythic themes and archetypes. It is cognate with Sumerian and later Assyrian mythology. It is the ancient secret religion behind Old Temple Judaism and the Kabbalah. It was the religion of King Hiram of Tyre, Hiram of Bith, and probably King Solomon himself. Certainly the religion of Queen of the Queen of Sheba's original Sabaeans and the later Hermetic Iranian Sabaeans. When applied to the tree of life, this ancient Canaanite pantheon fits the characteristics of each separate to perfection. And we should remember that the ten lost tribes of Israel did not worship Jehovah. They worshiped El and his holy family. And therefore, if we are to re-empower the ancient magic of Solomon and recharge the Kabbalah with the original supernatural fire, we must return to the source. Not only do the gods of Canaan belong on the tree of life, the seasons of Canaan follow the four primal operations of alchemy. Summer is the time of heat and dryness and withering death, calcination. Fall brings the, the rain, solution. Winter, the storm, season of storm, separation. Spring, the season of mating, conjunction. And in this sense, alchemy is both micro and macrocosmic. The original secret name of God was not YHVH, Jehovah. This was a later Levite creation, mainly by Ezra, not even present in the first book of the Kabbalah, the Sefer Yetzirah. The original secret name of God, according to Moses, was Ahia, I am, and he was known as El the Canaanite god of Melchizedek and Abraham, the ancient fourfold name representing the force of creation through the elements was and is Shama'ata, which a study of Kabbalistic diagram the Cuba space will confirm. And also I might mention that even today, when a Samaritan high priest reads in YHVH in the Torah, he pronounces it Shama. And it's YHVH in the Samaritan Samaritan Torah, because even that one was was reworked by by Ezra. In converting medieval Hebrew back into ancient Phoenician, we have recovered the two missing letters that give us the 24 letters necessary to fully encode the cosmic sphere, as the Gnostic architects of the Kabbalah originally intended. Now, you may wonder why we use the traditional angels if we are also employing Canaanite God forms. In order to understand this, you need to get beyond the restrictive dualistic conditioning of monotheistic priests, rabbis, ministers, and imams. Angels are direct representatives of the highest power, even higher than El, whereas pagan gods and goddesses and elementals are personifications of natural forces, urges, and attitudes. And therefore, we use the four traditional archangels, Raphael, Mikael, Gabriel, and Oriel, to guard the compass quarters, protect us from excesses and caprices of the elements within us, and empower us with the strength and wisdom related to the particular elemental kingdom each archangel controls. Practitioners of voodoo have no problem 
operating their pantheon of pagan gods and their Roman Catholic saints and angels together in harmony, and neither should you. This is why their magic is so effective, while our modern, all-good angelic, or all-evil demonic systems are so lacking in focus. Remember that ceremonial magicians have always used such diverse combinations of light and darkness, good and evil, and transcendental versus elemental forces for dynamic balance in the practice of their magical art. Satanic magic is more dangerous to the magician than anyone else. Exclusively angelic magic denies the dark side, which is always present in every psychic endeavor and will operate in secret if continually ignored. The great magicians of the Renaissance never made pacts with demons. They got the demons to do their bidding by invoking and assuming the power of God. Hence our motto, Nostre te ipsum, two estes, know yourself, you are God. King Solomon mastered the demons or the jinn by the power of his God, El. And so we employ the original gods and goddesses from Solomon's time, who were later declared to be demons or jinn. In, their, in our systems of Solomonic magic, the Canaanite goddess of love, Astarte, became the demon Astaroth. And her consort, Prince Baal, became Baal, and both spirits of the medieval Galatia of the Lamegaton. The employment of these Canaanite god forms in evocation, invocation, psychic center, chakra yoga, and magic is similar to the Tibetan tantric rise, the use of Malakala's Dakinis and the goddess Tara, and their apparently pagan deities in the practice of ceremonial magic. And that, that concludes uh, our, our presentation. And uh, I hope I've given you an idea of the significance of this, of this first initiation of Kratarapoa and an idea... Of the, of the, the significance. Well, now let me let me let me say this: If you want to print out the, um, the 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 script for tonight's show, if if you want to print it out, then all you need to do is is join our associate member program, and and because uh, this is this is the first lesson. What I just gave you is the first lesson of our, uh, and and there is an examination on it. But in order to access this. You're going to have to join our program. Go to our, you know, go to our website, uh, www.chsota.org, and and uh, follow the instructions. Write us a letter. Tell us about yourself. And uh, and if we if we if if you know if you're acceptable, uh, and you you should be because uh, if you're if you're of good report and what have you, and, and sincerely interested in what we're doing, uh, then we'll uh, send you an application. And you fill it out, back $35, which is yearly dues, and we will send you a very nice membership kit, which will include an updated version of Solomon's Magic and and uh, the video of the Magic of Solomon and the video Rites of Magic, and uh, and we'll get you started. And uh, also some also some coupons so that you can buy our all of our materials for 20% uh, off. Where that you know, otherwise you know they're they're available online and and uh, you know where. But uh, uh, this will save you you know twenty percent on all on our books. And so we encourage you to if you're interested. And then of course you can access the, on the website. We have this uh, well, everything you heard tonight is available and and you can download it. And uh, and we uh, will be more than happy to to grant your examination and 
and move you through our program. And we intend, by the way, during the rest of this year, we intend to do to deliver the agendas for all the degrees because uh, even though we can't initiate, you know, we really cannot initiate you on, on the internet or or uh, or uh, you know uh, on video or anything like that. We know we're not going to do that, or 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 claim that we can initiate you on the astral like some people do. We're not going to do that. Uh, but what we can do is if you go through all these agendas and these degrees and, and all of our, our classes, uh, you get a letter of entitlement for each degree, which allows you to go on to the next one. And you, so you can collect these letters of entitlement. And then finally, when you, when, uh, when you, can, you can make it to a temple, and we have temples, we have temples all around the country that, uh, that, that, you, can, that you can go to, take the bus or fly or whatever and and if you have a letter of entitlement and and uh, and all that you can you can get you can actually get an initiation so it's a very good program and i think those of you who are familiar with the esoteric tradition after what you've heard tonight you probably realize that so you know go ahead go to our website and check us out and see see whether you want to join us now uh next week Next week it's Valentine's Day, and we're going to be off for that's a big holiday for us because we're Valentinian. We're Valentinian Christian Rosicrucians, and so so we'll we'll be off next week, but we'll run a we'll do a, we'll do a rerun next week, and then following that uh, we're going to do uh, we're going to revisit the the origins of the Craterapoa, and we're going to have a show on Coleostro. Yeah, Coleostro. That. That uh, you know, will Alexander Dumas, Orson Welles, and 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 everybody that and everybody concerned with Coleostro, and so I'm sure and tune in next week. I don't quite know what the uh, what the rerun will be, but it'll be a good one. And we'll uh, we'll see you next week, and then of course after after Valentine's Day we'll be we'll be back with Coleostro. So meanwhile, good magic.